This week on Geek Explained, to celebrate the release of a brand new series featuring Marvel's premier cosmic heroes, we're diving into the best Guardians of the Galaxy comics for new readers. Welcome back to Geek Explained. I'm your host, Eric Kazana, and today's episode is all about the Guardians of the Galaxy! The Guardians have a lot going on right now, what with Volume 3 dropping next month and a brand new number one dropping in comic book stores today. More on that later. So I figured it was the best time to do an episode focusing on the best Guardians of the Galaxy comics for new readers. We all know comics are kind of tough to get into sometimes when you're getting into long runs and continuity so I've done an episode like this before and I wanted to do an episode focused on comics featuring the Guardians that are great for people who are just getting into comics or just getting into Guardians comics specifically. We're going to be counting down five comics, as well as an honorable mention, that are great starting points for your reading journey with the Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, This week has been uh, really interesting. Um, Again, with uh, volume six, I guess, of this podcast, I'm trying to do a little thing where each week I'm going to be starting off just talking about some stuff, some stuff that's happened in the past week, and just kind of giving you an update. This will be where I talk about any kind of news or any personal things going on with me. So I hope you enjoy. And if you don't, there are timestamps in the show notes, so feel free. But... This past week, a couple things that I thought were really cool. I went and saw the Dungeons and the Dra- Dungeons and the Dragons. I saw Dungeons and Dragons: Honor Among Thieves. That movie freaking rules. Go watch it. It's so much fun, especially if you are a fan of Dungeons and Dragons. Especially if you're a fan of any kind of tabletop. RPGs. I went with a couple of my adventuring party mates. Uh, we. It was so funny. We uh, had to cancel our session for that week and ended up just going and seeing this instead so it was a really fun time there's a lot of love and a lot of um heart put into the movie and you can tell from the performances to the world building to the narrative it's just it's a really good time it gives me a lot of the same energy as like the first mummy with how adventuring it is the you know, hapless protagonist. I really adored it. I I could use like another five of these movies. Give me six D and D movies featuring this and a rotating cast, and I will be a happy, happy boy. Um, also, this past weekend was Star Wars Celebration, which was a big deal. We got some trailers, we got some announcements. Uh, three new Star Wars movies are coming out, um, focusing on different periods of time. Apparently. Uh, the second of those movies by Filoni is going to wrap up the Mandoverse, which I don't love. I really liked when Mandalorian was just a story about a guy and his kid, but it's fine. It's fine. It's fine because we got the first big trailer for Ahsoka and not only 
Do we now know that Lars Mikkelsen is going to be reprising his role as Thrawn in this story from Rebels? Not only did we get our first look at Sabine Wren in live action, not only do we know that they're going to be Inquisitors and all kinds of other stuff, but come here, come here, come here, come here. Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who I have had a crush on since I saw her in Scott Pilgrim vs. the World back in 2010, is going to be Hera Syndulla. Hera Syndulla, the greatest pilot in the galaxy, Hera Syndulla is going to be a part of this show, and it's basically Rebels the sequel. I kind of wish if they were going to do that, they just would have made it animated, but I'm okay, because we get to see the greatest pilot in the Star Wars galaxy. I am really excited <laughs> about this. I just, I'm, I'm over the moon. Uh, we saw also a, uh, a poster for the 40th anniversary of episode six return of the jedi which i guess is going to be coming back to theaters sometime this month so a lot of exciting things a lot of exciting things going on this week um also i hope everyone had a wonderful easter uh i worked so that was fun (laughs) but it's it's the life of working in in uh in restaurants but i also got to do a really fun uh on camera gig uh last week i do most of my stuff in voiceover nowadays so it's always good to get back onto an actual set and get to stretch those muscles a little bit but either way without further ado uh that's been my week so i hope you enjoyed that and let's roll right on into what we've got for you this week so we've got the top five comics that you should be reading if you are new to guardians of the galaxy comics we have our latest weekly review on the final season of the flash and of course this week's Comics Countdown, where I'm going to be chatting you up about all the comics you should be picking up this week, so make sure you stay tuned after the jump for that. But for now, let's head on into the main event, the main course, the entree, if you will, as I count down the best stories for new readers to get into Guardians of the Galaxy comics. Guardians of the Galaxy. The only thing standing in between all life in the universe and total annihilation. The Guardians have been around for a very long time, though I think it's hard to argue that they've ever been as popular as they are in today's current pop culture landscape. With appearances across a variety of mediums, Guardians hype is at an all-time high. And let's be honest, for good reason. Let's count this down. In just the past few years, right? They've had a critically acclaimed video game that no one bought, but people should be buying and playing because it's one of the best games that Marvel has ever put out. They have a brand new comic series that is dropping this week. More on that later. And next month, James Gunn is concluding his cinematic saga featuring the Guardians 
and I don't think anybody's ready for that. No one's ready for Volume 3, but because Guardians hype is at an all-time high right now, I figured now would be the best time to talk about where it all began for the Guardians of the Galaxy in comics. Now, I know for a wide, I, I would say a large, uh, a large group, a large I don't want to say a majority at this point, but it's probably at this point like 50-50. Uh, if you are a fan of the Guardians of the Galaxy, you may not have read any of their comics because they've been around, like I said, for a really long time. And comics have this reputation of being very hard to get into. But with that being said, I think it's a perfect opportunity for me and for this podcast to feature comics that are absolutely worth diving into, especially if you're new to Guardians of the Galaxy comics. If you've played the game, please play the game. If you've watched the movies, if you are a fan of this team and you want to get into this medium, if you want to read their comics, this episode is for you. I did an episode similar to this back, I believe it's episode 178, where I tackled the best uh, new reader-friendly comics for Batman, and so we are doing it again here. These are going to be five comics that I believe, if you are a new reader and you are just getting into The Guardians when it comes to their comic book form, these are going to be perfect for you to get into. And they're also just really good stories. I just really like talking about them. So we're going to be counting down five as well as an honorable mention. And the rules for this go like this. One, has to be a good story. Two, has to be new reader friendly. Three, it's just the modern Guardians. There are way old school Guardians of the Galaxy stories that feature Yondu um, and a whole cavalcade of Z-list Marvel characters. And if you want to go check those out, feel free, by all means. But this episode specifically is going to be about the modern Guardians teams. And finally, number four, it has to be the start of a run. Miniseries are okay as long as they lead into a longer reading experience. Like I said, this is to get you into Guardians comics. So if you just read a story and it ends and there's nowhere to go from there, it doesn't really help you because then you're right back here where you started. So each of these is going to be a great starting place for you to then carry on into the Guardian, the wider Guardian stories as they go. And I'll be letting you know uh, what every comic is about, why I think it's a good starting point, and where you can go from there. Uh, I'm, I love doing stuff like this. Back when I, before I did this podcast, I loved recommending comics to people who had never read them before, and this is one of my favorite things to do on the podcast. So I hope you enjoy this. Let's dive into this list. First things first, though, we do have an honorable mention, and this might surprise people that it's not in the top five um i will say this five is not ranked it is not you know unlike the batman episode where i ranked them from five to one in order of how good i think they are for new readers this one is more chronological than um than ranked if 
you go from here to here to here to here, you'll be able to then carry on forward. And these are different points in the modern Guardians timelines that you can dive into. It's all one overarching story. You can very much just start at one place and just read it all the way through. But again... Some people don't like getting into incredibly long runs, and some people don't want to read, you know, nearly 20 years of comics, which, I mean, if you do, feel free. It's wonderful. But if you don't, and if you're just getting into it, I think these are going to be good bite-sized stories that you can enjoy, and if you enjoy that, you know, that flavor of the Guardians, you can continue on from there. So, starting off, honorable mention, Annihilation. Annihilation from 2006. I know, I know, just get, just give me a second. Uh, it's written by Dan Abnett, Andy Lanning, Keith Giffen, Simon Furman, and, ha- and Javier Grillo Marzwatch. I know I said that incorrectly, and I apologize. Uh, there's art by Kev Walker, Renato, Renato Arlem, Giuseppe Camincoli, Andrea DeVito, uh, Scott Collins, George Lucas, not that one, uh, Mike McCone and Gregory Titus. Uh, this is pretty much the birth of modern Marvel Cosmic. This is where everything started. This is where the MCU spacefaring adventures that you know of, this is where all of the Marvel Comics space stuff that you know of, this is where that all began because they had basically nothing before this they were not really doing anything with the uh with the outside the earth uh heroes or concepts or ideas uh really quick shout out to matt draper frequent guest on the podcast who did an excellent uh write-up on annihilation it's one of his favorite events it's one of my favorite events if you want more in-depth uh discussion on that check out his video on youtube about it it's wonderful uh, so the synopsis for the event goes like this annihilus lord of the negative zone has declared war and as his unstoppable annihilation wave swarms into the marvel universe demolishing all in its path only a handful of heroes can resist the destruction Nova learns the ways of war from Drax the Destroyer. The Silver Surfer seeks out his former master Galactus for aid. The Super Skrull fights for his son's life, and Ronan the Accuser faces Gamora and her women warriors. Nova and Quasar's army leads the charge, but as heroes fall and Annihilus rises, the universe's one remaining hope may be Thanos, the Mad Titan. Now, the books involved in this event were Drax the Destroyer 1 through 4, Annihilation Prologue, Nova 1 through 4, or Annihilation Nova 1 through 4, Annihilation Silver Surfer 1 through 4, Annihilation Super Scroll 1 through 4, Annihilation Ronin 1 through 4, Annihilation Heralds of Galactus 1 and 2, and the main Annihilation event 1 through 6. This is All Out Star Wars. Not that one, though. Uh, this is a gigantic event that serves as kind of a big bang for Marvel Cosmic. And what I love about this story is that it presents not just a compelling narrative for literally everybody. This is where Richard Rider became an all-star when it comes to Marvel Comics. This is where characters like Drax the Destroyer and Gamora were given their first big spotlight since their let's just say more obscure days earlier on in the Marvel Comics timeline. And this is really what brought Thanos back to prominence. But alongside that, it was it presented the building blocks of 
literally everything that is to come in the rest of this list. Why is it an honorable mention? Because it's one big event that doesn't focus strictly on the Guardians. It builds out the wider world, so if you want something that establishes the world that we will eventually go into, absolutely read this. And this is no disrespect to the story, the creators, or anything. It's just for this list specifically... I wanted to focus on Guardians things, and that is why this is an honorable mention and not part of the list, but again, it's a wonderful story, one of the best events that Marvel has ever done, and it sets the stage for everything that would come after it. Start here if you want to get the building blocks for every run that I'll be discussing after this. If you want to learn about the wider Marvel setting when it comes to their cosmic ideas, like the Kree Scroll Empires that would later come up, um, the Shi'ar, uh, the Annihilation Wave, Thanos, like if you want a general who's who of Marvel cosmic, start here and then you can go literally anywhere into the wider universe of Marvel cosmic stories. But again, it just misses out on the top five for not being a Guardians-specifically focused story. Which brings us to our five books. So these five books, I believe you can start here and then go for a long run. Maybe not terribly long, but a long run more than just one single story. So our first stop here is at the very beginning. It's Annihilation Conquest Star-Lord from 2007. This is written by Keith Given with art by Timothy Green II, and this is the origin of the modern Guardians of the Galaxy. Synopsis goes like this. Relive the birth of the motley crew that became the Guardians of the Galaxy. Peter Quill is Star-Lord once more, but will he embrace his legacy? The techno-organic phalanx... I always say this word wrong. Phalanx have overrun the galaxy, and it's time for Star-Lord and his ragtag team of cosmic cult favorites, including Bug, Captain Universe, Deathcry, Mantis, Groot, and Rocket Raccoon, to suit up and become legends. But this no-win, no-tech suicide mission starts off bad and rapidly gets worse. As hordes of the Phalanx close in, one team member might have to make the supreme sacrifice. Now, the books involved in this story were really simple, as opposed to all the books that were in our honorable mention, which is just Annihilation Conquest, Star-Lord, issues 1 through 4. And the best way that I can describe this, it's Mass Effect meets Marvel. This did the Mass Effect suicide mission from Mass Effect 2 way before uh, Mass Effect 2 did it, I think. I don't know if that lines up or not i don't know who knows but what i really love about this story first of all again focuses on star lord yes star lord did pop up in annihilation and is a presence in annihilation conquest but he is the star here he is the main focus annihilation led directly into annihilation conquest where annihilation the big I guess threat there was Annihilus and his Annihilation Wave, where he's in Annihilation Conquest, we got the Phalanx and, spoiler alert, Ultron, which means everything tech was able to be overwhelmed, 
overwritten and taken over. So what this does, what this story is basically about is Star-Lord, Peter Quill, getting back in the front lines, stripping away all of his, you know, cybernetic doohickeys. More on that when you read it. Um, And going in low-tech with this ragtag group of misfits. And they go on to try and find a cure for the phalanx infection really really cool stuff all the main players that you're familiar with are here well maybe not all of them but quill groot rocket and mantis those four names you should recognize because they are big time names in not just the mcu version of the guardians but also in just Marvel Cosmic going forward from here. Uh, You may not recognize some of the names on this list. Bug, uh, Death Cry, as well as... You may may have heard of Captain Universe, but this is a very different Captain Universe than we are used to seeing. Uh, But I really enjoy this. This is a group of thrown-together... It's a heist, essentially, is what it is. It's this group of thrown-together sort of allies who are trying to accomplish this goal against unwinnable odds. That sounds like the Guardians, if anything does, right? It's a really great story that gets you acquainted with Peter Quill, who he is, because he existed as Star-Lord long before the Guardians of the Galaxy was a mainstay Marvel team. But this gives you a breakdown on his character, gives you everything you need to know about him going into his comics spotlight and then you get to watch him command this team as they drop straight into Hala the Cree homeworld that had been recently taken over by the phalanx it's a great story you actually this is the first time that Groot and Rocket team up and uh, they are immediately best buds though it's interesting because in this story Groot does not just say I am Groot he speaks in full sentences he is the he claims himself to be royalty and the protector of planet X but you get to see his dialogue kind of evolve over time in this story specifically he only talks to rocket so i always headcanon it that to everyone else he's saying i am group and rocket is the only one who's understanding what he's saying alongside us the reader but this is the first time they hang out this is the first time they team up it's the first time you see them in those sick ass guardian suits that i love to death and i will fight anyone over uh i really really enjoy this story and it's a great you know up against all odds with very low chances of survival story which is where the guardians shine you can start here if you want to learn about the guardians at their genesis you can start here if you want to see the development of star lord as a solo character into becoming a leader. And you can start here if you want to get to the beginning of the beautiful relationship between Rocket and Groot. It's amazing. Start here, and then you directly go into Guardians of the Galaxy by Abnett and Lanning. You're going to notice that the Abnett and Lanning run isn't on here because this is the start of it. This is where everything that makes that run so good begins this is where we get the origin of star lord he carries on and carries 
uh, several of these characters that show up in this book into the next Guardians team. And then you get this wonderful run from Abnett and Lanning just diving into what makes the Guardians so special. Uh, this is the beginning of that. You start here and you go into that seminal and iconic run of comics. Next up, we're going to be skipping a few years ahead to Cosmic Avengers from 2013. This is written by Brian Michael Bendis with art by Steve McNiven and Sarah Pacelli Pacelli Cinderella. And this is your movie-inspired Misfits MCU-like comics. Synopsis goes like this. There's a new rule in the galaxy. No one touches Earth. But why has Earth suddenly become the most important planet in the galaxy? That's what the Guardians of the Galaxy are going to find out. Join Star-Lord, Gamora, Drax, Rocket Raccoon, Groot, does that sound familiar? And wait for it, the invincible Iron Man as they embark upon one of the most explosive and eye-opening chapters of Marvel now. So this one's really simple. This one's really short. The books involved in this story is just Guardians of the Galaxy from 2013, issues one through three. Three simple issues to establish this new MCU-inspired uh, run of Marvel Comics. In 2013, obviously, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1 was going to be coming out the very next year. So they wanted that sweet, sweet brand synergy, and they wanted the Guardians to come back. The, the Abnett and Landing run had ended, I believe, two or three years earlier, uh, leading into Thanos Imperative, which... We're not going to be talking about. Um, but that is the end point of the Abnett and Landing run. And they wanted to bring back the Guardians, but they didn't want them to be quite as, let's say, dark and gritty as that run was for the Guardians. They wanted something that people who watched the movie could be like, oh, I want to go to the comic book shop and I want to read some comics that feel like this movie so what did they do they brought in brian michael bendis to write a brand new guardian series with the lineup that we're familiar with starlet gamora drax rocket and groot as well as throwing in a heavy hitter which is what marvel loves doing dc2 don't get me wrong where they're like we're gonna bring in a team and also throw in our most popular character to get people to pick up this book and to be fair Tony on this team is actually a lot of fun. I think everyone knows about the hookup between Tony and Gamora that she was thoroughly unimpressed with, but his dynamic with them is really fun and something that I wish we had seen more of when it came to Thor joining the Guardians in the MCU. Uh, Tony's usage in this story is much better than Thor's was on that team. And I really enjoy this. It does have this distinction of being basically the longest modern run on the Guardians, um, which is baffling to me when you really think about it. But from 2013 all the way through 2017, 2018, Bendis was the guy when it came to the Guardians. This also did a big refresh, reset for... Uh, for Peter Quill, no longer was he the battle-hardened war veteran who was uh, cynical to the world and kept secrets and was kind of a master manipulator. Now he was more screw-up Pete that we would see 
by Chris Pratt and the MCU. And all of the characterizations would eventually become much closer to their MCU counterparts during the course of this. And just alongside that, you would see the Guardians crossing over more with the main Marvel Universe. In the Abnett and Landing run that spun out of Annihilation Conquest... They were focused almost solely on the space stuff, which was awesome, and I love that, and I wish we would see more of that. In this run, again, we got to go with that sweet, sweet brand synergy. The MCU is firing on all cylinders at this point. They had just wrapped up Phase 1 and were kicking off Phase 2, so they wanted the Guardians to be everywhere. So they crossed over with the Avengers. They had more than one crossover with the X-Men. During this point, we got to see a lot of changes to the lineup, bringing in characters, swapping characters out. Characters would leave the team, come back to the team. And you would basically see that the stock in the Guardians when it came to the comics would grow. They'd go from this paramilitary strike force that they had been in the mid to late 2000s into this, basically, as the story suggests, Cosmic Avengers. And there's... I think positives and negatives to that. There are obviously the negatives in that it kind of robs them of what made them special in those early stories, but also it allows them to, I guess, get more exposure when it comes to events. And they feel more important in that uh, in that way. Start here if you want to get comics that feel like the movies. Uh, start here if you want to see a roster that is ever-changing, constantly shifting direction. And start here if you want to get some really great team dynamics. You start here, you run through the entire Bendis run through 2017-2018. That brings you through two separate Marvel initiatives, both Marvel Now and All New All Different, where you're going to see stuff like Kitty Pride, both getting into a romance with uh, Peter Quill as well as becoming Star-Lord. You'll see Peter take his rightful place as an emperor of a of a uh, space society. You'll get them crossing over, as I said before, several times with the X-Men, and you'll get all of their fun stuff in Secret Wars and beyond. It's a really fun... Uh, it's a really fun run. It's a really fun look at the Guardians. It's not my favorite. Um, I do think that they leaned a little too heavily on trying to just be the MCU, but in comic book form. But there are undoubtedly a lot of fun uh, stories and fun character dynamics to be had in this story and I would definitely recommend it especially if you're a fan of the MCU and that specific flavor of the Guardians so that's the second starting point our third starting point is a little bit smaller scale and by a little bit I mean a lot of it. This is Star-Lord Grounded, written by Chip Zdarsky with art by Chris Anka. This is my favorite Star-Lord story. I love this story. Uh, We did a top five Guardian story to uh, celebrate the release of the game years ago. And you will notice that this book was on there as well. Because this story rules. Uh, The synopsis goes like this. 
Peter Quill might have been born on Earth, but he's been away a long time. And now that the Guardians of the Galaxy have gone and gotten themselves stranded on terra firma, how does a man go from soaring through the stars as the legendary Star-Lord to living with his feet planted firmly on the ground? What kind of job options are available for a guy whose resume mostly consists of quote-unquote guarding the galaxy? And with all the dangers he's faced and survived, could anything prepare him for community service? Maybe Daredevil can help out with that. Or, would you believe, the shocker? One thing is certain, Earth has a new guardian, also a new bartender. Peter Quill, the legendary bar lord. I love that synopsis so much. Uh, the books involved in this are obviously Star-Lord Grounded, issues one through six, as well as Star-Lord Annual number one. Um, this is Peter Quill on Earth. We've seen in the most, in I think both of the volume three trailers that we, uh, even though it does seem to be an alien planet, we get to see the Guardians kind of interact with weird Earth things that they're not really used to. And if you want more of that, this is definitely something that you can take a look at. It's a really fun miniseries that spins out of the end of the Bendis era, where uh, the Guardians end up not just disbanding, but also during the course of everyone's favorite Civil War II... Uh, they have their ship completely destroyed and Peter Quill is stranded on Earth. And so this miniseries gives us the opportunity to not just dive into the current status quo of Peter following the disbanding of the Guardians, but also you get to see him grow as a person and get used to being not just a space outlaw, but also being a hero in his own right. Uh, this also features appearances from, as previously stated, Daredevil, The Shocker, a weird amount of villains for a Star-Lord book, as well as maybe the best old man Logan cameo slash supporting roles slash appearance in a comic book. I don't know. I just know that he's amazing in this book and he is drawn to be the short king that he is. Excellent 10 out of 10 Logan appearance in this comic book. It also features the Chris Anka designed best Star-Lord costume in all of his comic book history and all of his live-action history, and all of his video game history, and all of his television show history. It's just the best costume. It's the best Star-Lord costume. You can fight me. You'll lose. But you can fight me. Feel free. But what I love about this is that it takes its time and giving you a starting point for Peter once he hits rock bottom. And then just like in the... Annihilation Conquest Star-Lord miniseries, you get to see his lowest point, his starting point, and then you get to see him achieve heights from here. Start here if you want a Peter-focused story. Start here if you want a really fun fish-out-of-water story. Start here if you just want to read a great story about someone trying to be better than they were. You can start here, and then you can go straight into the Jerry Duggan run, who has been absolutely crushing it over in the X office for a good long while now. And this leads directly into that Jerry Duggan uh, Guardians run that then leads directly into Infinity Wars, which, you know, the less said about that event, the better. But 
uh, it's, you know, it's a good cap off for that run of Guardians comics. I really love this story. I think it's something that you can hand to literally anybody who has a passing knowledge of the Guardians and of Star-Lord, and they'll have a really, really good time with it. Next up, we have the final gauntlet from 2019. And this is written by Donnie Cates, art by Jeff Shaw. This is as close as we've ever gotten to an Abnett Lanning redux. Taking all of the ideas that that series posited and expanding upon them. Now, the synopsis goes like this. The universe is on fire. Hundreds of worlds are at war. Never has there been such hatred and division across the cosmos. Now, more than ever, the galaxy needs guardians. But in the aftermath of the Infinity Wars, who is left to answer the call? On the plus side, Thanos is dead. But long live the new Thanos. Who will it be? And can the Guardians find them before everything comes crashing down? They're not the only ones on the hunt, though. Who are the Dark Guardians? And what does the search for Thanos' successor have to do with Hela, Goddess of Death? Prepare for the Guardians versus the Dark Guardians versus the Black Order! It's all-out chaos, and it's about to get worse. Could the Mad Titan be fighting his way back from the grave? Books Involved is actually really simple for this one because um, there was only 12 issues. But this one specifically, the final gauntlet, is Guardians of the Galaxy 2019, number 1 through 6. It initially was going to be just the entire 12 issues. But again, starting with the 6 issues is the main meat of what the synopsis proposes. And then you get to finish off with a really strong back half as well, which is really great. This features an all-new Guardians lineup, which is always really fun. I wish that we would see this more often when it came to Guardians lineups. Um, since probably... Yeah, since probably the Abnett Landing run, they've pretty seldomly changed from the formula of Star-Lord, Gamora, Drax, Rocket, and Groot. They'd throw in guest characters every now and then, but normally this is kind of the crew that you see through most of these runs. This run, however, gives us a brand new Guardians team featuring notable favorites, Star-Lord and Groot, but then the rest of them never been on a Guardians team before, and it's or at least never together on the same Guardians team. And it's really cool to see how they all mesh or don't mesh. It's also, again, like the Abnett Landing run, a really great view on Marvel Cosmic at the time. Following the events of Infinity Wars, Thanos had been killed. Uh, the entirety of Marvel Cosmic was thrown into chaos. So this was a really fun time to be reading books that dealt with that. No one knew what was going on. Everyone was panicking. And the Guardians were kind of stuck in the middle when it came to everything that was going on. This is also just one of my favorite Rocket stories. This run, which is actually just 12 issues. The Naughty Kate's run is just 12 issues. Um, it's one of my favorite Rocket stories that I've ever read. I love Kate's use of Rocket. I love Rocket just as a character, but specifically in this story, it's probably, like I said, my favorite Rocket Raccoon story. This also does a great job in 
talking about the legacy of Thanos as a character, which I have to assume is going to be on the minds of our characters going into the uh, MCU's third outing for the Guardians. And with Thanos being dead and everyone trying to deal with the power vacuum that is caused by that, I think it's a great, great story to examine a lot of the things that we are familiar with in the MCU and also might be seeing with the upcoming Volume 3. I love this story. It takes the Guardians once again, just dropping them straight into a conflict that they are woefully unequipped for, and watching them soar as characters and as a team. Start here if you want something that is a little bit easier to digest than the really long uh, Dan Abnett and... Um, it's not Jackson Lansing, because that is later. Andy Lanning. Uh, that's also a different name. Uh, God. Uh, start here if you want... A lot of the same themes from that run, but in a more, I guess, bite-sized package, because it is just six issues for the initial story and 12 issues in total. Uh, start here if you want to see more of the Guardians team that isn't just the MCU team all over again. Start here if you want some really personal and... At times, really sad moments that are just going to break your heart in a comic, but also make you feel just... Warm and fuzzy inside, and start here if you are just looking for a really good Guardian story that doesn't get talked about a lot. You can start here and then go finish the Kate's run and dive into the Al Ewing run, which is one of my personal favorite runs of all time. The reason I didn't start the Ewing run in here is because it builds off of a lot of the ideas and directly... Uh, deals with the consequences of this run, which we see so very seldom often in this in this comic book landscape nowadays. But the Kate's run leads directly into the Ewing run, and the Ewing run hits harder if you have read the Kate's run prior to it. Uh, the Ewing run then runs for a while, not nearly as long as it should have, but it runs for a good bit before ultimately concluding in the last Annihilation. See how it... See how it... It... It comes back to the the honorable mentions. The reason I made it an honorable mention. It's just, it's it rhymes, it rhymes. But I really love this story. I love that you can basically take the Cates and Ewing runs as a one-two punch. They're both great stories in their own right, but they're even better when taken together. And it's just a damn good story in general, and it leads to one of the best. Uh, times for Guardians in the comics. I just, I really dig it. And I think if you haven't read it, or if you haven't read it in a while, you'll dig it too. Our last stop here, our number five, our final stop, and what I think is going to be potentially just as great a story as any of the stories we've mentioned today, is Grootfall. 2023, that is right, it is dropping this year and not just this year it's dropping as you are listening to this as recording this right now this is written by jackson lansing and colin kelly the hive mind and it is penciled and illustrated by kev walker a full circle moment for kev walker who started off not just 
all those years ago in Annihilation, but also kicked off this list in our honorable mentions and is now rounding out the list as the main artist for The Guardians. This is a fresh start for The Guardians if I've ever seen one. I'm going to be getting into the synopsis later on in the uh, comics countdown for this week, but I will leave you with the tagline, Who are the Guardians of the Galaxy? Now, books involved so far that we can, I guess, understand right now and the ones that have been solicited are Guardians of the Galaxy 2023, issues 1 through 3. And this is going to be the current run as you are listening to this. It drops today as of the publishing of this episode. I am very excited. I love the concept behind this because it is what? What is that? Off the distance? It sounds like hooves. It sounds like a... It's a space western! I love space westerns! They're just one of my favorite genres of fiction. I really am excited about this. Uh, This is a brand new vision for the Guardians and takes them kind of away from the glitz and glamour of the main Marvel Universe and drops them on the far outer rim. So far away, in fact, that they will have no contact with our Earth-bound heroes. We've got a brand new setting for the Guardians. We've got brand new kick-ass designs for our main heroes. This is bringing back the team that you are more familiar with, your Star-Lords, your Draxes, your Mantises, your Gamoras. But strangely enough, Groot is not among them, which I find very interesting. And we will, again, be elaborating on in the uh, in the comics countdown. But I am really excited at the potential of this. I have been loving everything that Lansing and Kelly have been putting out over the last few years. And I adore Kev Walker's art. I really, really do. And this feels like, from interviews I've read, from... Just the promos that they've been doing for this from all of the promotional material that they've put out. This feels like it has all of the makings of an all-timer. Jackson and Lansing... Jackson and Lansing. (laughs) Jesus. Uh, Lansing and Kelly have been crushing it recently in Marvel on the Captain America Sentinel of Liberty book uh, that I gushed about last week alongside the Symbol of Truth book by Tochio Nyabuchi. And I'm really excited to see how they differentiate this from their Captain America work. There's a lot of stuff to love about the Guardians. And I love that we are getting creators who are passionate about it. Um, I remember it was maybe a week after I met them at LA Comic Con that this was announced. And I was over the moon about this because they are super rad dudes who are very, very uh, passionate about writing just in general, but also passionate about the guardians. Um, I am hoping to fall in love with this book. Just like I have pretty much every guardians run since they began. I don't think there's been what I would consider a bad guardians run. There are definitely guardians runs that I don't vibe with as much. I, I don't think the Bendis run will ever be my favorite, but it does have a lot of gems that I absolutely love, and it has moments and characters that I adore. So I'm always going to cherish it for that. But as it stands, like kind of the big, I would say, you know, the big two 
I guess for me, really come down to the the Abnett Lanning and the uh, Ewing runs are kind of my two favorites. And I'm hoping that this kind of slides in there and we can get a really, really solid top three. Um, it's positing that there is a betrayal in the team, that it's positing that I don't know what Grootfall is, but it sounds terrifying. And the Guardians are going to be stranded and have to build themselves back up. It's Space Western. The designs look amazing. And I'm very excited to see where the Guardians go from here. But as I've stated before, this is a starting point. Start here if you want to get on the ground floor of a Guardians run that is coming out currently. Start here if you are a fan of any of the Hive Mind's work or of Kev Walker's work. Start here if you adore Space Westerns, and start here if you want to read some really great Guardians comics. And then you can start here, and just like me, enjoy the ride. I have not read issue one. I am... Hotly anticipating, as I am recording this, going to my comic book shop and picking up issue one and enjoying the ride. So I would love to share that journey with you. We can talk about it week to week. We can enjoy the Guardians for what they are. And it just makes for a really fun time. That's why I enjoy recommending comics, especially newer comics to people, because we're still in the middle of it. We're at at this point, we're at the beginning of it. And being able to chat and talk to you all about stuff as it's coming out is genuinely one of the joys that has come about from this podcast so uh that does it for the top five and one honorable mention guardians of the galaxy comics that are great to get started if you're a new reader or if you are a comic book reader who is wanting to dip their toe into the guardian stories each one of these starts off a good amount of reading that you can really sink your teeth into. Each of them is also different stories from each other that present their current era of Guardians comics, which I absolutely adore. And each of them are just good frickin' stories. So I am really excited. I've loved where the Guardians have gone. I'm loving where the Guardians are, and I can't wait to see where the Guardians go next. My name is Barry Allen, and I am the fastest man alive. When I was a child, I saw my mother killed by something impossible. My father went to prison for her murder. Then an accident made me the impossible. To the outside world, I'm an ordinary forensic scientist. But secretly, I use my speed to fight crime and find others like me. And one day, I'll find who killed my mother and get justice for my father. I am the Flash. It is now time for the weekly review. This is the segment of our show where I review something weekly. And right now we are reviewing episode 8 of the final season of The Flash, entitled Partners in Time. Now this one's interesting because this is a locked room slash bubble episode where Barry and Iris are getting up to some uh, some time travel shenanigans. It's it's interesting because I feel like this is 
I don't know what the direction of the back half of the season is supposed to be. Because arguably, if we're looking at like the last few episodes, right? We had Mask the Red Death as like the season five or the episode five, like mid-season. That's your big like finale number for the mid-season, right? Then episode six was the the good, the bad, and the lucky, where they had a probably the most filler episode of the entire season so far. Uh, episode eight was a more or less self-contained story with uh, with Dreamer, which I really enjoyed. Talked about that last week. Where this one... This one also is a very, like, self-contained story. But what I really liked about this is that it continued on the narrative of Barry and Iris getting ready to be new parents, right? And they do this really great thing, and I think they've done this throughout the season, of giving Iris so much to do narratively. And I think that's awesome. Uh, Candace Patton has been shouting into the cosmos i don't know her personally but has been shouting out into the cosmos for an interesting character development and an interesting storyline for her and i love that in this it's i mean it's unfortunate that it basically took oh let's give her a baby and then she has character development but i do think that this is one of the most interesting arcs for her because she's dealing with her pregnancy, pregnancy brain, as she states, um, the changes in her body, um, and this fear that she's not going to be that whatever is her next chapter in life is going to shut out everything that she was able to do beforehand. And that is juxtaposed by Barry, who's constantly trying to move forward and is trying to, you know, rush to the next uh, the next great thing in his personal timeline. Like, he builds uh, Nora's crib seven months ahead of when she's going to be born. And it's really cool that the series is playing on the two of them having these opposite uh, perspectives. And this is the episode where it finally comes to a head, where they have to have that conversation. And it just so happens that it's surrounded by this bottle episode, which is, it's it's a bottle mystery that is very, I mean, it's very clearly set up in the opening of the, uh, of the episode. And if you pay attention... The mystery, the the reveal isn't all that shocking or surprising, and the villain, Lady Kronos, isn't really anything, but I do like that they at least try to make it an almost whodunit where we've got four possible sub suspects could be anybody and i think i, I don't know I, I think that's really that's really interesting and then the b plot we are continuing my favorite couple which is chuck and allegra and we get to see this is the stuff that i was talking about weeks ago when i was like just put them together so that they can deal with all of the relationship stuff now we're getting it uh, Chuck accidentally tells Allegra, I love you, before either of them are truly ready to accept that. And I don't know, I just really like it. I thought it was a really cute story. And they kind of trapped Cecile with them because neither of them wanted to address the, you know, the elephant in the room. So they're forcing her to basically be their buffer. I just, I really dig it. I really am enjoying the more lighthearted CW-esque stuff that we're getting with uh, with Chester and Allegra. And I don't know. I'd, it's, it's 
one of those episodes that I don't think, you know, at the end of the season, I'm going to remember all that well. But in the moment watching it, I was I, I was entertained, let's say. Um, we did get a little bit of stuff moving forward with Keon. Keon gets to meet uh, Caitlin and Frost's mother, except it's all off screen. We never see her once, so they do all of that development off screen, which is unfortunate. But I guess that's another send off for that character. And I'm starting to get a little worried <laughs> because there's only, I think, 13 episodes, and this is episode eight we only have five episodes left and unless we start to get things going next episode i don't know if they're going to have a an arc for the rest of it i'm i'm nervous about that because this being its final uh the final season there are high expectations and it being not just the goodbye for the flash but also the send-off for the arrowverse we've only got five episodes to say goodbye to an entire tv universe so i don't know i'm nervous but i'm still keeping up with it i'm still for the most part enjoying it um, like I said, I think out of the three quote unquote filler episodes, I think last week's uh, dreamer episode is still probably my favorite, but I am, I'm ready for us to get moving into whatever is going to be the final conflict for this. But there are rumors that we might see, uh, some peeps showing up next week. So, or I guess this week as, uh, as I'm recording this and as you're listening to this, uh, there are rumors that we might see a certain archer showing up in this week's episode. So we'll see. We'll check back right here next week to see how they stuck the landing for that and if we get another goodbye for another character. But that is for next week, so stay tuned for that. For now, let's roll right on into this week's Comics Countdown. <laughs> Ooh, welcome back to this week's Comics Countdown for the week of April 12th, 2023. This is the segment of our show where I'll chat you up about all the comics you should be picking up this week, whether it's at your local comic book shop, a comicsology, or however you get your comics. These are the ones I think you should definitely take a look at. But before we get into this week's books, we got to take a look back at last week's books with the Geeksplain Pick of the Week of last week. And there were quite a few contenders, let me tell you. But ultimately, I chose The Adventures of Superman, John Kent, number two, written by Tom Taylor with art by Clayton Henry. Uh, this book rules. It just rules. I love everything that I'm seeing so far, basically turning John Kent into a shonen protagonist and making him the multiversal Superman. I just, I love it. I really, really do. And now we have the stage set for him to run up against the world of injustice. So I'm really excited. You should definitely be reading this, especially if you enjoy Superman stories. Man, reading Superman books is so good. Superman's doing great right now. And it won't be the last time we talk about Superman in this segment. But that is... Last week, this week, we've got eight books for you to check out, so let's go ahead and dive into this list, kicking things off with Fantastic Four number six. This is written by Ryan North with art by Ivan Fiorelli. I want to make sure I said that correctly, and I still don't know if I did or not. But I am really enjoying this series so far. Um, the mystery box of what did the Fantastic Four do to get them so ostracized has been solved, so now... 
we figure out what to do next. <laughs> I've been really enjoying the first five issues and I'm excited to dive into this. So let's go ahead and check out the synopsis. The Fantastic Four have been restored to their correct dimension and orientation, but they don't know that some microscopic invaders immune to all predators on Earth have come along for the ride. What happens when the Fantastic Four accidentally threaten all life on the planet? Well, they try to fix it. But what happens when they can't? I'll tell you what happens. Sue and Johnny team up to pull off their most audacious stunt yet and maybe, just maybe, save us all. Meanwhile, Ben, Alicia, and Reed have to convince a skeptical world that what they're doing is worth it. Plus, Dr. Octopus is in this one. Only for a little bit because, come on, he's going up against the Fantastic Four. It's going to be a short fight. Or is it? I love how ridiculous these synopses for Fantastic Four have been since the series started. Uh, it just, it makes me really happy. And it makes, I think, this more exciting as well. Because we don't genuinely know what the Fantastic Four team has up their sleeves week to week until I read this. So I, I really enjoy it and I'm excited to check this out. Next up, we have Danger Street, number five. This is written by Tom King with art by Jorge Fornes. And this book as well has been absolutely crushing it tom king just firing on all cylinders right now uh just recently wrapped up both human target as well as gotham city year one and this one while i don't think it's gonna touch those other two works is fantastic storytelling nonetheless i'm really excited to see where the story goes there's so many plates spinning i believe this is a 12 issue maxi series as well so we're not even halfway through the story yet so i'm i'm really excited let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis chapter five manhunter what does a small town murder have to do with the mysteries of the multiverse lady cop is on the case but time is running out gods from beyond the stars are battling over the boy who could save all their lives the manhunter is stalking his prey and meanwhile the dingbats are tired of waiting for answers and they're about to take revenge into their own hands i gotta say dingbats and lady cop probably in the top 25 DC characters for me right now based solely on this story we know how much Tom King loves diving into the annals of DC Comics long encyclopedia of obscure characters and it usually works out really well for him and it's been working to perfection in this book so I'm very excited to pick this up cannot wait to see what they've got next for the dingbats and of course my favorite lady cop Next up, we have Storm and the Brotherhood of Mutants, number three. This is written by Al Ewing with art by Alessandro Vitti. This has been interesting, right? All of the events and all of the different um, threads from throughout Sins of Sinister are beginning to come to a head as we rattle off the year 1000 era of Sins of Sinister before we get that Sins of Sinister Dominion. Last week's, uh, I believe it was Immoral X-Men number three, put us in a very interesting situation. And I don't know if Storm and the Brotherhood of Mutants is going to directly build off of that uh, or where it's going to be. The cover does not give us a lot of information. <laughs> so let's go ahead and dive into this synopsis and see if we can get any answers. The Last Stand. One thousand years in the future, the Empire of the Red Diamond has located Fortress Araco, the last, the burning last castle at the heart of the storm system. 
The only hope for the universe lies in bringing a long-lost legend back to life. Aurora of the Storm returns to the Sinister Age for the final battle. Because, yes, at the end of uh, Storm and the Brotherhood of Mutants number two, I believe, spoilers, uh, Storm died. So I'm curious, though... Resurrection protocols are pretty much under the control of Sinister exclusively and of the many different legions of Sinister's ill-begotten win of the universe. So I don't know how they're going to revive Storm, but I cannot wait to find out. Next up, we have Lazarus Planet, Revenge of the Gods number three. This is written by G. Willow Wilson, Becky Cloonan, Michael Conrad, with art by Emanuela Lupacino, Aletha Martinez, and Sian Tormi. This book has been really cool. I believe this is the conclusion of it, but I'm not totally sure. Uh, this is leading directly into the next I guess, phase of magic wielders when it comes to comics. Uh, This is going to lead, I believe, into the Shazam book. So I don't know how many issues this has. I want to assume it's three because all the other Lazarus Planet tie-ins had three issues. I think. I think. Maybe one of them just had two. Either way, uh, I've been really enjoying this one, having the wizard Shazam basically brainwashed, in essence, to take on his former champions. Uh shit's going down let me tell ya can't wait to pick this up let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis is wonder woman responsible for the destruction wrought by the gods she's worshipped all her life back in man's world at last diana sees the horrors of the gods war and questions all she's done to ensure the amazon's survival is it too late to turn the tide and achieve peace meanwhile olympus itself trembles as shazam's wizard takes revenge on his former champion so yeah, I actually really dig any time that Shazam runs up against other like corners of the DCU, dealing with the actual gods and having them influence not only the wizard Shazam, but also the champions as well. It's really cool. And I dig crossovers like this when they're done well in the comics. And I, uh, I can't wait to pick this up and see how this goes. Next up, we have X-Men number 21. This is written by Jerry Duggan with art by Stefano Caselli. And this is continuing the brood... Uh, crossover between X-Men and Captain Marvel, which I've been really enjoying so far. I love anytime the X-Men go into space, so this has been doing wonders for me. Let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis. Lord of the Brood, Part 3. Why have the Brood gone mad? Which of the X-Men's past deeds is coming back to haunt them? And are bloodthirsty alien monsters even the biggest threat the team is currently facing? All these answers and more will be revealed! So, yeah, I I just think it's really cool, and I like the Brood. I don't like them because they're horrifying, but I like them as an opposition to the X-Men, and having the X-Men cross over with the many denizens of the superhero community in the Marvel Universe is always a really fun time. Next up, we have Superman Lost number 2 of 10. I've been waiting for the next chapter in this because the first chapter was so freaking good. This is written by Christopher Priest with art by Carlo Pagulian. And just, I mean, God, it's so good. God, that first issue was so fantastic while giving us 
almost nothing. And <laughs> just the concept of Superman being lost for 20 years and making his way back, but it only seeming like minutes to everybody else, I love as a concept. And I think that it's rife for interpretation and it gives us a Superman story that I don't think we've seen before. So I'm really excited about this. Let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis. As Superman struggles to re-enter his life on Earth, we begin the story of his epic 20-year journey home, with an encounter with spacefaring scavengers who transport the Man of Steel to an unnamed Earth-like planet whose properties redefine the limits of his powers, while the world's ecological and political turmoil beckons for his help. So it sounds like he's going to an alternate Earth, which is fun, but I am really excited about the concept of Superman meets Castaway and dealing with all the ramifications of that. I can't wait to pick this up. This is going to be amazing. But the big two books of the week, the books I think you should absolutely be picking up, are a double feature from The Hive Mind of Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly. Really excited about this. First up, we have Captain America Cold War Alpha number one. This is written by The Hive Mind alongside Tochi Onyabuchi, writer of Sam Wilson, Captain America, a.k.a. Captain America's Symbol of Truth, with art by Carlos Magno. And this is the kickoff for the latest big Captain America event, the first big crossover between the two current Captain America books. I can't wait to pick this up. Let's dive into the synopsis. Cold War, Part 1. The revolution starts here. Bucky Barnes is the Outer Circle's new revolution, and he has enacted his deadliest move yet, an alliance with Sam Wilson's nemesis, the White Wolf. When Steve Rogers' adopted son Ian, a.k.a. Nomad, is abducted by someone Steve thought was a friend, he suspects Bucky's hand at work and calls upon the people who know Ian best, Sam Wilson, Sharon Carter, and Misty Knight, to help him get to the bottom of the attack. Has Bucky finally gone too far? Why has Nomad been taken, and what does it have to do with a portal to Dimension Z opening over a secret battleground in Alaska? The symbol of truth and the sentinel of liberty really Unite for a pulse-pounding crossover event that will make them question everything they believe in and each other. God, this sounds so cool! Oh, man! And you know that I'm immediate. my ears immediately perk up when I hear Dimension Z. I'm just so stoked about this. I have been waiting for Cold War ever since it was announced, ever since it was announced that Ian was coming back in the pages of Symbol of Truth, and he also cameoed at the very end of Sentinel of Liberty last week. I just, I'm really excited. I'm really excited about this. I can't wait to see what this team is cooking up uh both captain america books as i've stated before are on fire right now uh that's why they were the number two in my top five comics you should be reading in this year last week i absolutely freaking love both captain america series i've been really enjoying both of the narratives that they were building and how both of them have been building to this cold war is going to be one for the books i cannot wait to pick this up but the other half, and I think appropriately for this week, is of course Guardians of the Galaxy number one. Written by the Hive Mind, art by Kev Walker. 
I'm just so stoked for this. <laughs> if you couldn't already tell from my excitement in the main event of this podcast, I have been yearning for a Guardians book for a while now. Ever since the Al Ewing run ended, I've been waiting for them to relaunch the series, and this seems like it is right up my alley. Let's dive into this full synopsis. Who are the Guardians of the Galaxy? One year ago, the Guardians of the Galaxy were destroyed, their optimistic future shattered by the betrayal of one of their own. Now, they ride the space lanes of a lawless corner of the galaxy, trying to outrun their tragedy. Can they rediscover their heroism and humanity on the bleakest frontier? Can they forgive the failures of their past? Or will they fade into the dark, eternally unforgiven? It's a space western! I already gave... All of the reasons that I'm hyped for this series earlier, so I won't rehash them here. But I'm just really, really excited to see the hive mind give their take on the Guardians. And it's it's going to be one that I think people are going to be talking about for a while. So I'm really excited. And I'm really excited about this whole freaking week. To recap this week's Comics Countdown, we've got Fantastic Four number 6, Danger Street number 5, Storm and the Brotherhood of Mutants number 3, Lazarus Planet Revenge of the Gods number 3, X-Men number 21, Superman Lost number 2, Captain America Cold War Alpha number 1, and Guardians of the Galaxy number 1. Lots of space-faring comics this week, but luckily for you, your local comic shop is just a short drive away, so make sure you head over there this week and pick up some cosmically amazing comics. And that is going to bring us to the wrap-up. If this is your first time joining us on the Geeksplain podcast and you like what I do here, feel free to subscribe to us on the podcasting platform of your choice and give us a rating and review. We drop new episodes every single Wednesday, and honestly, ratings, reviews, and subscriptions really do help me and the podcast out in this weird podcasting algorithm space. Raises up our stock and gets us out and into the orbit of listeners just like you. And if you give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, whatever you want want to call it, I will read your review here live on the podcast. You can write literally whatever you want. I will be forced to read every single word. As long as you give me those five stars, the sky's the limit on what you can write. And you'll be able to join the likes of our fantastic 14, including Seafire ND, Joshua Pales to Pixels, Matt Draper, Burrito Man 88, Doug from For Every Kind of Geek, Don Swanson, That Guy Brian, Mouth Dork, Dallas Meeks, Amazing Spider Fan, Alock and Easy, Sass, Jedi Jesse 20, and Ken4656. I want to say a huge thank you to these fine folks for their reviews, and I cannot wait to hear yours. If you want to be part of the Geeksplained mailbag, send your emails to geeksplained at gmail.com, put mailbag in the subject header, and I will read it here on the Wednesday show. If you want to keep up to date with the podcast, participate in polls that decide future episodes, or maybe you just want to shoot the shit with me on the latest geeky news, feel free to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Pod. that's at P-O-D for his long as Twitter is around and as long as I can remember to continue posting on Instagram. <laughs> I'm getting better. I'm trying to. Uh, finally, every single Friday is the Geeksplained Book Club, where I, alongside my fellow caped crusaders, Malcolm Russell Nelson and Jacob Brown, are going through every single issue of every single volume of Grant Morrison's 
Batman. This week, we are tackling Batman and Robin Must Die by Grant Morrison and Fraser Irving. So make sure you are uh, keeping your eyes out for that one. It's going to be dropping this Friday and every Friday. We just can't get enough of reading comics and talking to you about how much we love them. So make sure you tune in this Friday and every Friday. Gotham Fridays are a real thing, so be there or be square, not a circle. But that does it for this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, Going back and looking at how I began reading Guardians of the Galaxy comics and some of the uh, great starting points for new readers of Guardians of the Galaxy comics is always a really good time. If there are any books that I missed, any Guardians of the Galaxy comics that you think are great for newcomers, feel free to let me know, whether it's on socials, whether it's through email i would love to have that conversation with you as after all this is a comic book conversation podcast so uh, feel free to reach out but all in all it is a good time to be a guardians of the galaxy fan i'm very excited for volume three to close out the james gunn cinematic saga i'm very excited for new readers of the guardians of the galaxy to maybe get some comics from this episode and check them out and i'm very very excited to pick up guardians of the galaxy number one this week by the hive mind and kev walker keep your eyes on that comic it is going to be amazing but that does it for this week's episode next week very excited about this it's going to be our first geek explain spotlight of volume six as in celebration of the release of power rangers once and always on netflix we are going to be covering power rangers necessary evil this is going to be the follow-up to me covering shattered grid from last year and i am really excited to dive into this book with you all so tune in for that next week same geek time same geek channel but for now for the geek explain podcast i've been eric azana thank you so much for listening and we will see you next time Thank you.